but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night you tell me that you're pleased that I'm never alone you're a good good father it's who you are it's who you are it's who perfect in all of your ways to us and father we fall so short of the word perfect we can't even come close to that but we're so thankful Lord that that you are perfect and that you are loving unconditionally to us and that you understand that our human nature causes us to sin even when we don't want to Lord and so we ask for that forgiveness and you gave us forgiveness you sent your son to the cross to die for us and for that we bless we bless that every day, Lord, and we thank you, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen. You're a good, good father. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. So far in our 40 days of prayer, we've talked about the, the need for prayer, the importance of prayer. But one question that sometimes comes up is, how much do I need to pray? How much prayer is enough? I pray when I come to church on Sunday. Is that sufficient? Does that meet my prayer quota for the week? I pray before I eat. I, I pray before I go to bed. I usually pray when I'm in trouble. 
are, 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 is that enough? Well, if we, if we, those are all good times to pray, but if we limit ourselves to that and say that will be the extent of my prayer life, then we miss out on the greatest purpose of prayer, which is to develop a stronger personal relationship with our Lord. In order to do that, prayer needs to become a continual activity. Now, the Apostle Paul understood that in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. He said this, he said, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, when I first read those statements, I, they seemed kind of random. I didn't, I didn't see any connections. And I thought, well, Paul's at the end of his letter to the Thessalonians, and it's kind of like I do sometimes. It's like, oh, I forgot. And I'll, and I'll just throw some things out at the end. So maybe Paul's just throwing in some things he wanted to make sure he said. But actually, they all fit together. Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. He wants us to have continual joy and to be continually grateful. And the thing that makes that possible is prayer. Because when I pray continually and I'm expressing my gratitude to God, it makes me a grateful person. And the gratitude that I have in my life brings joy. So the catalyst, if you will, for, for gratitude and joy in my life is prayer because it keeps me focused on my blessings more than my problems. But how do we do that? Every time I read that verse, pray continually, or in some translations it says pray without ceasing. How do we pull that off? How does that translate into daily life and, and all of the things that we have to do in our lives? Well, I want to suggest two ways to pray continually or without ceasing. The first is to maintain an ongoing, running conversation with God. Do any of you know somebody that has the ability to talk nonstop for a long period of time? Yeah, you're not supposed to really do it now, dear. I, I was about to warn you, don't actually put your hand up, because, yeah, I... But... <laughs> Most of us know somebody. My, for me, it's my sister. Uh, you know, most people, when they text, you send a little, you know, it's meant to be a little message. Just get to the point. There it is. My sister sends me texts that I need three screens. I just have to, I, I'm, I'm serious, don't I? Doesn't she? She does. You have to scroll your phone to read the text. It, and it's like, sister. So now I just scroll, scroll, scroll. Here's what she really wants to say. Right here. Right here at the end. I used to take road trips down to Kentucky uh, to see my dad. And sometimes I'd take my sister. It was a seven hour drive. And she could talk for seven hours. Now you would think at some point you run out of things to say, wouldn't you? Well, she did, but that didn't stop her from continuing to talk to me. Um, 
What we often find annoying in our human relationships, God revels in. God wants. He wants his people to have a continuous connection with him in prayer. And I've, I've kind of learned to do this in my own life. I, I only have one prayer every day, but it lasts all day. I wake up with a dear Lord, and I go to bed with an amen. Because what I found is whatever I'm thinking about, whatever concerns I have, whatever I'm experiencing, whatever feelings I'm having, good or bad, I can share those with, with God. And I've reached a point where it's, I don't even have to be conscious of doing it. I'm thinking about something, I find my thoughts going to him and talking to him about it. I'm feeling a certain way, I find myself just going to God and talking to him about it. Uh, I like what you said, Greg. Can I steal your illustration? Because I like it. Well, I'm going to anyway, but I just thought I'd ask. Um, he talked about a lamp. You know the way you plug in a lamp? Every time you want the light off, do you unplug the lamp? No, you leave it plugged into the power all the time and just, just turn it on and off with a switch. And that's kind of the way an ongoing uh, prayer life works. You don't disconnect from God, ever. You stay connected. And then anytime my thoughts or feelings uh, take me to the Lord, it's just flip it on. Okay, flip it off. It, it, it happens throughout the day. Uh, think of it like breathing. You know, I'm not conscious of breathing right now. I'm not having to think in the back of my mind, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. I'm just doing it. And wouldn't it be great if we got to a point in our relationship with God where prayer was like that? I just prayed. And say, you don't have to start every prayer with dear Lord and end every prayer with amen. Just let your thoughts go to God. Let your feelings go to God. If it's, if it's of interest to you, it's of interest to him. If it's a concern to you, it's a concern to him. Everything in your life can be a matter of prayer. Now that works for me. This spontaneous, open-ended kind of praying throughout the day, praying continually, works for me. It doesn't work for everybody. I know other people who really struggle to do that. And so the other way to pray continually is to have some set times for prayer throughout the day where you plan to pray and you actually work it into your schedule. An example of that is Daniel in the Old Testament. Uh, Daniel was taken off uh, into a foreign country. He was exiled there. And he was tempted to adopt the ways, the culture, even the religion of, of the people there. But Daniel wanted to stay true to his faith. And so the Bible says that three times a day, he would go to his upstairs room and he would go to the windows that faced toward Jerusalem and he would kneel down and he would pray at morning, noon, and night. For him, it was important to have those set times of prayer. And it may be for us as well. Sometimes life gets so busy that 
we find ourselves going hours at a time without talking to God, without thinking about Him and our relationship with Him, without praying. And having set times for prayer can help us with that. And a good way to do that is to use the prayer that Greg just led us in, the Lord's Prayer, as a model or a pattern for how to have those set times of prayer. You know, I hope you all know that there is a huge difference between saying the Lord's Prayer and praying the Lord's Prayer. I mean, we recited on Sunday morning, and I know for some of you, it's just kind of, oh, here we go, our Father who art in heaven, and, and we just put it out there. But we didn't really pray it. We just said it. Jesus intended for that to be the model for our prayers. Not that every day we say the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't want it to be a substitute for our prayers. He wants it to be a pattern for prayer. If you're in one of the connect groups, the things that you're talking about are God's pattern for prayer. And it's the Lord's Prayer. You know, a great time to pray, a set, good set time to pray is when you wake up. If you're like me, you try to have a few moments before you actually get up. That alarm goes off, um, or you just come awake, and don't immediately hit the floor and go. Have a few moments there where my thoughts begin to go. Well, what do I do with those thoughts? Why not make them prayer thoughts? The first line of the Lord's Prayer is our Father in heaven. Why not focus on that? We sang the song a few minutes ago, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And you love me. That's who I am. And I don't know of any better way to start the day because it will fill your heart and mind with gratitude when you think about the goodness of God in our lives. So why not get up with gratitude? You know, there are different ways you can get up. A couple was talking to the pastor in marriage counseling. And the pastor said to the man, he said, Sir, do you wake up grumpy in the morning? And he said, No, I let her sleep. Sometimes a look says a thousand words, doesn't it? It's all you need. <laughs> you know, I'm the one. This is the day the Lord has made. She's like, I, she, she wakes up in tongues. I don't know what she's saying. Um, but you know, you can wake up. Uh, you could have woke up and looked out the window and grumbling and complaining and groaning. Oh, there's snow. It's supposed to be spring and it's cold. Or we can wake up with gratitude to our God for who he is and how much he loves us. Our Father who is in heaven. It's a great time to start your day. And it only takes a few moments to do that. How about at breakfast time? 
A good second time for prayer is breakfast time. And we think about the second phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. When you hallow something, it means to recognize it as holy and worthy of praise and to give it glory and honor. To bless the name of God. You know, the Bible says that in several places that we are to bless God's name. And we think of blessings as something he gives us. I want God to bless me. But God wants you to bless him as well. By acknowledging his holiness, his righteousness, his glory, his honor in your life. In Psalm 145, 2, it says, Every day I will bless your name. And Psalm 9.10 says, those who know your name trust in you. See, as you bless the name of the Lord, as you hallow his name, you put your hope, your trust, your confidence in God. That's a great way to start a day. You've acknowledged the goodness of your Father in heaven, and you've hallowed his name. Now you're ready to go off to whatever the day holds. Around mid-morning is a good time to reflect on the third phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That reminds us to get our priorities straight. So many times I make a bad decision because I have the wrong priority in my life. And if we can get those right... Everything else falls into place. It reminds us that our priority should be the will and purpose of God for my life. It's not myself and my will. It's not even my family. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard somebody say, I always put my family first. That sounds right, but it's not. You need to put God first. His will first. Because if you align yourself with the purpose and the will of God, everything else is going to be better. The best thing I can do for my marriage is not to put her first in my life. It's to put God first and align my life with his will, and I'm going to be a far better husband than I would be otherwise. The best thing I could do for my kids is to align myself with the will and purpose of God. I'm going to be the best dad I can be or the best grandpa I can be. The best thing I can do for my boss at work is not to say this job is my number one priority in life. They may like to hear that, but that's not what's best. Because if you align yourself with the will and purpose of God, you're going to be the best employee you can be, and you'll be the most productive at work. See that everything just falls into place. In Matthew 6:33, it says, "Seek ye first the kingdom of God." Get yourself in alignment with God's will and purpose. And then all these things will be given you as well. Everything else in your life will fall into place if you get it right with God. Now, have you noticed anything different about the way we're planning our day in prayer? We're, we're to lunchtime now. We're to noon. And we have yet to ask for anything. How different is that from the way we normally pray? How often do we wake up saying, Lord, I'm going to need, I'm going to want. Lord, I need you to give me. 
And, and most of our prayers are focused around I need, I want, they need, they want. The Lord's Prayer doesn't start that way. And neither should we. Our focus needs to be on our Father in heaven, upon blessing his name, upon aligning ourselves with his will and purpose. Then we're ready to ask. And you'll be surprised how it will change what you ask for when you've done that first. There's some things I won't ask for now. I was going to ask God for something, but now that I've done those, I realize that's not what I need or what I want. I'm not going to ask for that. And then there'll be other things that I never thought of. That I go, I really need to be praying about that. Give us this day our daily bread. That's the part of the Lord's Prayer we focus on around, around lunchtime, around noon. And, and the word bread, it doesn't just mean food. It stands for the basic needs of life. It can be health. It can be a job. It can be um, money to pay the bills. It can be relationships. It can be all sorts of things. Your daily bread are the things you need and the things others need as well. I hope you caught two things in that phrase. Give us this day our daily bread. You need to be just as concerned about the needs of others as you are about your own. You need to pray just as hard for the needs of others as you do about your own. It's an us thing, not a me thing. And give us this day our daily bread. Now here's where God and I have some differences of opinion. I think he should just supply all my needs now. Everything I need for the rest of my life now. Because I'd feel a whole lot better and worry less if I just knew it was all out there. That's not how he works. God wants me to trust him every day. He wants me to be dependent on him every day. He wants me to turn to him every day. And the way to get me to do that is only give me what I need for this day. Think of the people of Israel when they said, oh, we need food. We're out here in the wilderness. There's no food. And God said, I'll give you manna. And they're like, great. Get the big baskets. We'll load up on manna. And he said, no, 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 wait. You only collect what you need for this day. If you collect any more, it's going to rot. And, of course, they tested God. They went and got big baskets full, and they ate what they needed, and overnight the rest rotted. Because God said, I'm going to give it to you again tomorrow, and I'm going to give it to you the day after that. You don't need to have all your needs met today. You just need today's need met today. And that's how God works because he wants to keep us close to him. Give us this day our daily bread. Then we move into mid-afternoon. Say, 3 o'clock. That's a good time to focus on the fifth phrase of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We all need forgiveness. 
Every last one of us. This is a universal prayer. And we all need to give forgiveness. Every last one of us. That's a universal prayer as well. And Jesus understood that, so he put it in his. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. In other words, forgiveness is a done deal. Jesus bought it. Jesus paid for it. All you have to do is access it. And we do that when we pray. Forgive us our sins. We confess our sin. We seek his forgiveness. And coupled with that is the hard part. We forgive oh, those who have sinned against us. You can't receive it if you won't give it. The door must swing both ways. And that's so important because one of Satan's greatest weapons that he uses against us time and time again is guilt and shame. And the way we break free of guilt and shame is to receive his forgiveness. And then a couple other weapons he throws against us are bitterness and resentment. And the way we break free of those is to forgive others. That needs to be part of our prayer each day. And then as we move into the late afternoon, early evening, we pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What are the biggest temptations you face from day to day? How often do you take those to God in prayer? If you face them every day, shouldn't you pray about them every day? 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. And what that means is that Satan cannot force you to sin. You can never say when you've sinned, I couldn't help it. I mean, people say it all the time, don't they? I couldn't help it. Yeah, you could. Through Christ. Without Christ, you can't help it. If you don't have Christ in your life, your life becomes Satan's playground. He can do whatever he wants, and you do not have the strength to resist or overcome it. But once you tie your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan can do absolutely nothing that you don't allow him to do. I mean, it says it right there. When you are tempted, he will provide a way out. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. And every day we should ask God for the strength, the wisdom, the courage to resist those temptations that come into our life. And then a final time for prayer is the end of the day. We talked about how you wake up. How about how you, how you wind the day down and go to bed? 
I know a lot of people who say the last thing I do is watch the evening news. I'm not a fan of that. I used to do it myself. But what I found is I would watch the news and turn off the TV and I would be anxious and fearful about all the things I found out going on in our world. I mean, is this world not a messy place? There is so much trouble. And, and for me to spend 30 minutes hearing about all that trouble and then to try to close my eyes and rest, that did not work. And I decided there had to be a better way. Oh, I check out news along the way during the day. And my mind immediately goes to prayer about each and everything that, that I hear about. But at the end of my day, I want to close it out talking to God. He ended the Lord's Prayer by saying, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That tells me three things. God is in control. For yours is the kingdom. And he's talking about this world. The kingdom of this world does not belong to the evil one. It belongs to God. He created it. He sustains it. And someday he will redeem it. God is in control. It also tells me that what is happening in this world is not the end of the story. For yours is the power and the glory. I don't see an end in sight to the, to the things going on in this world. There's not a lot of light at the end of that tunnel. Things just seem to be spiraling the wrong way. But that's not the end of the story. Because God is in control. And because his is the kingdom, he gets all the power and the glory. Forever. The word forever means that God wins. The victory is his. And if you don't believe me, go to the end of the book. It's in the back of the book. You know, sometimes you, you get like a puzzle book or something, and it gives you the answers in the back, and you get stuck, and you're, ah, I'm tired of fooling with it. And you go to the back and look and put in the answers. It's okay if we do that. God doesn't care if we jump ahead to the end of the book and see that he wins and his people win along with him. And so which, what is better for me, to go to bed anxious and fearful because of what I've just watched on the news or to go to bed realizing that he is in control, that this world is not the end of the story, and that in the end we win. Well, I can sleep like a baby if I do that. Because it helps me keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. I love what Corey Ten Boom said. She's a Christian author. And she said this, If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look to Christ, you'll be at rest. That is so true.
So I hope you will find a way to make prayer more than just something you do once or twice a day, something you do at church, but that you'll find a way to make your prayer life a rich part of your life, to pray continually, to pray without ceasing, to keep your life connected to God every moment of every day so that prayer can be as natural as breathing. Let us pray. God, I am thankful that you give us the opportunity to talk with you anytime. We, we don't understand just how much a privilege this is. That Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, grants us an audience 24-7. There's never a time when you respond to our prayers by saying, I'm busy now, would you come back later? There's never a time when you respond to our prayers by saying, I'm sorry, I'm out of the office. You can call me tomorrow. Your promise is that every time we pray, we turn our hearts to you. We turn our minds to you. You hear. So Lord, teach us to pray. And to pray continually. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Out here after church and went up to the first person I saw and said, can I talk to you? And they might be polite and say, well, yeah. And then I proceeded to stand there for the next three hours and talk. That probably wouldn't work. After a few minutes, they'd probably say, well, you know, okay, that's good, but I, I got to go. <laughs> and they'd be backing off and going. But when I'm in relationship with somebody... You know, I, I kind of made fun of my sister's ability to talk nonstop. But it's okay. Because she's my sister. Because I love her and I care about her. So even though I may get tired of hearing her sometimes, <laughs> I listen to her anyway. Because she's my sister. Well, it's true. It's true. Relationship makes all the difference. And I say that because if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Christ, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, then this whole praying continually thing isn't going to work for you. Not because he won't listen, but because you won't have the connection with him to want to pray like that. And so the beginning point is that relationship. And I want to encourage you not to leave here without it. We're going to stand in a moment and sing a hymn uh, what we call a hymn of invitation, and I'm inviting you to come. I, I can receive you, I can uh, pray with you, I can lead you in just a simple, what we call confession of faith that says, I believe in Christ and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. And that will establish the relationship, the basis for ongoing prayer. So let's stand together. Uh, hymn number 443, verses 1 and 3. And I invite you to come and receive Christ.